And a quick, what's my favorite thing to do as a grant pro? Oh, I can only imagine. Shooting down those grant deadlines. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Why am I not surprised? That is why we are so excited to have this episode sponsored by Grant Holster, a cloud-based grant process management system created by grant professionals for grant professionals. After years in the nonprofit and grant consulting field, Dana Schuler Drummond created Grant Holster, which lets you easily organize clients, projects, funders, tasks, deadlines, and so much more. Subscriptions are just $10 a month with the first month free, but for our listeners, you can get your first three months for free by entering H-A-Y-D-A-Y, all lowercase, as your coupon code at checkout. Visit grantholster.com to learn more and take advantage of this special offer. Then get busy shooting down those deadlines. Pew, 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 pew! Well, hello there. I am Kimberly Hayes de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And guess what? You're listening to Season 4 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. You sure are, and we're mm-hmm. doing more in Season 4 to help nonprofits, local governments, and the consultants who serve them raise more money and get more grants by sharing real-world experiences and interviews with experts and getting it done. You may hear a y'all or two along the way, mm-hmm. and singing and strange sound effects. It's our podcast. We do what we want to do. We can do what we need, and, and we do what we need to do. This is true. And, and there's even more of us to love in season four because we're all about podcast positivity. Um, we got episodes dropping every other week, all year long. So let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by season four sponsor D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com? Check it out today. Well, okay. So, um... You get just Kimberly and I today. It's a episode. You say that like it's a punishment, my oh, friend. It's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> well, and we haven't given this disclaimer in a while either. We're still doing, I'd say, ninety-nine percent of our podcasting through the virtual airwaves of Zencaster because because COVID because COVID and traveling life. and life and all these things. And in fact, today, um, you may hear a bird chirping or two on my end. Um, <laughs> There's drywall being installed in my basement, and it's really loud in my house right now. So, sitting so what Amanda's not telling you is she's 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 refurbishing an old grant writer's home, um, and so I'm I'm just going to be able to roll up in there pretty soon, and then our broadcasting will change. Yeah, I'd like I'd like a CNI pony with tiny little boots, and anyway, so. That's not what the people are here for. Let's let's get into it. So today what we're doing is we're spinning our usual how-to episode into Mm -hmm. a how-not-to episode. Okay, I see what you did there. see what I did. We're talking how not to start a nonprofit, which could actually better serve communities and people and animals and all kinds of things in the long run, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So first off, I'd like to define what we mean when we say nonprofits. Basically, they're tax-exempt organizations that benefit the public, okay? The most common kind of a nonprofit is a 501c3, 
which is an IRS-defined category that includes public charities and private foundations. Okay, so it's a very broad category that includes national organization, organizations such as the American Red Cross, um, the American Civil Liber- Liberties Union, and then also smaller organizations. Think about the many church-based soup kitchens or primary care clinics that serve people who lack medical insurance or the Boys and Girls Clubs. Or mm-hmm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just... Trust All me, kinds. nonprofits abound. You have interacted with one at some point in your life. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, but it, in addition to those who are more service-based, it also includes those foundations that make grants to these and all eligible nonprofits, okay? Broad category. Uh, yes. Um, according to Independent Sector, there are nearly 1.6 million, mm. y'all get that? 1.6 million 501c3 tax-exempt organizations in the United States. They're the third largest employment sector behind manufacturing and retail. It's a fun fact it's, for you. It's amazing. And if you're like, if you, if you're thinking like maybe I did long ago before I started working in this sector, that it's, it is only the small sort of mom and pop style that are nonprofits. That's really not the case. And you probably know someone who works at a nonprofit. There are a lot of hospitals that are nonprofit. There are lots of, um, well, certainly state universities kind of nudge up to that, that sort of realm, although different rules apply to them. Um, But those stats are mind boggling. Even if you're saying, but wait, but wait, if there, if 501c3 category of 1.6 million ish, includes grant making and grant seeking organizations there's really not that many nonprofits and i would say au contraire yeah. or i would actually say because i don't speak french i would say you know we let's say then let's just say half of the 1.6 million half are grant making organizations which i know not to be true yes, that's still that. like what 800,000 Nonprofits, mm-hmm. and this is just in the United States. This is not North America. This is just in the United States. Yep. So it may not surprise you to know that I have feelings and questions about this. <laughs> you have questions. Well, one other stat I'd point out before we move on is um, there are also 63 million Americans who volunteer for nonprofit agencies. So it's yeah. not just that there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people willing to give their time and right. to nonprofits. So, but you've got a question and I feel a rant coming on. Let's, let's, I, I would, I'm going to call this rant light and I'm just going to call this a hmm question. Hmm. Hmm. Things that so, make you go. Hmm. I know we're kicking it way back in the <laughs> way back time machine for y'all. And if you don't get it, that's fine. Just let's move along. Um, so you may, you might be thinking, with all the nonprofits and volunteers, all our social issues should be completely solved, right? We got millions, tens of millions of people working on this. We got 1.6 million organizations devoted to chair to things for the public good. So we're good, right? Right? So wrong, <laughs> yeah. wrong. Why doesn't everyone have enough good food, clean water? Why aren't all stray dogs and cats safely with their forever fur families or whatever that is? I don't know, y'all. Um, why, why, why? Yeah, why indeed. And that's actually what we're talking about today, right? Um, so over the years, I've taught or otherwise met a lot of folks with big hearts who want to help. And I love that. And I'm not saying don't 
don't help anymore. Obviously, we still nope, need neither one people. of us. That's not what no, we're saying. Not, not what, we're what we're saying. Because clearly, people need to help each other through all kinds of trouble. Okay, but sometimes starting a nonprofit and getting a grant seems to be the go-to for everything. Right. So everybody's answer is, oh, well, I'll just start a nonprofit. That'll solve all the world's problems. Um, my problem with that is kind of going back to what we've already said, there are already so many of them. And I, I've got a good example here. I have kind of through a friend of a friend, know somebody who um, she had experienced breast cancer firsthand, came out on the other side, thankfully, whole and nice, healthy. Nice, um, nice. And she was so changed by that experience that she wanted to start a nonprofit to raise money to help with all kinds of things related to breast cancer for women, which I applaud her, her passion, her passion. I applaud her wanting, like she could have just come out and go, gay, yeah, I survived and kept going on with her life, which is right? also a fine answer to do as well. Which is also, um, but this, she wanted to do this and she ended up calling me because she was asking about kind of like this, like, I want to start a nonprofit. How can I get grants? Um, and of course, you know, I had to tell her, I said, well, first of all, grants are usually for established nonprofits, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just kind of the way it works, right? So that's you're lit. not going to be able to get, I can't, I won't say never, but the ability to get startup money is slim to none. Um, but my other thing for her is like, hey, before you go out and start competing with all the other nonprofits out there, what are some other cancer related nonprofits that exist either nationally or locally. And then rather than competing for them, because what that's what you're doing, right? You've got all, there's only so much money to go around. And if, you know, if there's only two nonprofits, they're going to get a heck of a lot more money than if there's 1.6 million nonprofits and everybody's going for the same slice, you know, that pie. And so I, I really encouraged her to look around and maybe put your efforts to a nonprofit who is similar to yours, um, or similar to what you're trying to do rather than adding to the mix. Okay. And I, again, I'm not, please don't hear me and say, I don't think ever there should be never a new nonprofit. I'm not saying that, but there are so many already out there that are doing certain things already. Why would you make it more complicated for yourself and them? Is kind of my, <laughs> my little tidbit I'll throw in there. And my, so, my so yeah, we're, we're, we're throwing out some thought provoking things today that, and we'll address this again later. Cause I just don't feel like we can make this point often enough. It's not about not helping. We're just saying yes. is a nonprofit, a new nonprofit, exactly the right vehicle for it because yeah. of the complexities that we're getting ready to dive into. Yeah. Um, and I have experienced from a different, slightly different lens, the same kind of, um, same kind of thinking. And I, um, this happened when I was working for the Atlanta Community Food Bank um, many, many years ago now, several years ago now. Do we need to do back in time? <laughs> it wasn't in the other, it wasn't in the last century though. Let me just be clear. But it, was, <laughs> it wasn't it was back wild. in the late 1900s. <laughs> Girl. Well, the last That's century would have been the late two, the the late oh yeah the late 1900s mm -hmm. okay well I'm, I'm moving into that old grant writer's retirement home a little sooner than i thought amanda i'm gonna pack a bag tonight kiss my husband goodbye I'll say I gotta put me out to pasture so here we go so when i was working at the food bank the founder of the food bank he has since gone on after a long and storied career to um serve on boards of other nonprofits. but at the time he was there 
doing the deal, throwing it down. And you would think that the man who founded the Atlanta Community Food Bank would be everyone, you know, we're called to, to and he had a, the heart as big as all the outdoors, but mm-hmm. he had this swath of practicality that one of the first times that I really interacted with him at a significant level about a potential grant, it, it blew my mind. So here's what it was. He was like, we were talking about subgranting, getting a larger grant to subgrant to our food bank partners. And this is where the nonprofit thing comes in. He said, you know, at least three times a week, I have someone come up to me because he, as you might imagine, he was out in the community. He was the external face, right? Yeah. Mixing it up, giving those talks, a glad handing all pre COVID, of course, decades away or a decade away from COVID. Um, and he said, I can't tell you how many times someone will come up to me and say, I had a dream last night to feed the poor. So I'm going to start a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And you would think that he'd be like, wow, good for you. And he said, I'm never rude. He said, but I'm like, really? You better have a little more than a dream episode if you want to start a nonprofit and get out there and do it. And I kind of had that dun, dun, dun. And I was like, oh, wait, no, no. What he means is, Starting a nonprofit, there there will always be hungry people to feed. That is not, we're not saying don't feed hungry people. But starting a nonprofit takes a whole lot more than I had a dream last night where I was called to feed the poor. Yeah. That's that was his point. Mm-hmm. And as Amanda said, grants don't, because again, for many different reasons, people associate nonprofits with grants. Even though individual donors give more money to nonprofits than grants overall, that's just I don't know. There hadn't been a TV show or a Netflix uh miniseries or anything about this. I don't know why people think this, but they do. But he's saying, "Hey, don't come at me with your I had a dream to feed the poor and you know, you you got, you got, it takes more than a dream is what he's saying. Yeah. So I think we should all take that to heart and also um, sort of gliding back to what Amanda said, grants do not go usually to, to brand new nonprofits. There are exceptions. I am, um, have met people who work in those exceptions, but that is what they are. It's very, very rare. And it's usually spins off of something else that, you know, another relationship. So This is not the kind of thing to go into lightly, the business of starting a nonprofit. Yep. Random side moment here, but I'm just thinking if Hollywood's listening, they really do need to do a sitcom. If Parks and Rec can be a runaway, (laughs) amazing thing, a show like that about working in the nonprofit field would just... I think be amazing. I'm just saying top three employer in the United States. Y'all call your agent friends. Let's get this started. Somebody needs to start writing that, that Mm. that plot. Mm. Okay. Mm. I like it. We know two zany podcasters who you could have as (sighs) color commentary. (laughs) Okay. So back to the show at hand. Um, Basically what Kimberly and I are saying here is starting a nonprofit is not that easy. It's not just, Oh, I have a dream. I want to help people. That's your heart's in the right place, but Oh my gosh. It is, it's a lot of work. It's, I mean, think about, I would hope no one opens a business just like I had a, I had a business. I wanted to have my own shoe store and you open it the next day. It's, that's just not how it works. Right. It's not, not usually, not, not successfully, usually. probably, probably not very successfully not unless you happen to be a self-made millionaire. But anyway, um, but starting a nonprofit, you need to identify the need uh-huh. for the services you're offering. Okay. Because 
kind of like we've talked about in writing a grant. If there's no need, then nobody's going to give you a grant. And you know what? If there's no need, you shouldn't be writing a grant in the first place. Why don't you come talk to me about it after the show? Exactly. Because I'll talk to you. If there's no need for whatever thing it is you're trying to help, that's kind of pointless, right? Mm. Um, And you also need to see if there are other groups engaged in the same or similar work, kind of like what I was already talking Mm -hmm. about. You know, are there already, you know, oh, I'm going to do an after school program. Well, if you've already got Boys and Girls Club and you've all already got 12 daycares in your community and you've already got, you know, the schools are doing after school programs for, you know, $6 a day, which is pretty affordable. I mean, at, at what point is there really a need for an after school program? Is, is there, I hate to jump in. Actually, I Ooh. don't hate to. It's what I, it's what I live what for. We do. Um, it's also, we're not saying that you, chances are they're probably not enough. Af- maybe they're not enough after school openings to go around then is there the opportunity to expand what's already there exactly open a separate location we're not saying don't try we're saying a nonprofit may or may not be your first avenue to do this thing that your passion and calling is leading you to do that's all we're saying yep so but looking at the need and seeing what else is already out there Mm -hmm. service-wide Service-wise is the bedrock question that many people don't think to address before they go down that time-consuming and pricey road to start a nonprofit. Okay, remember, nearly 1.6 million nonprofits already exist, and most of them are looking for funding. Okay, so we're not saying you know to change the world for the mm-hmm. you know, don't change the world for the better, but be clear about your approach. Um, and just have a better understanding of the community you serve, what their needs are, what already exists, where the holes are. Because I think more than you just starting something new out of the blue, figuring out where those holes are and then filling that, you know, gap, I think you'll find yourself, you're going to be one more successful and two, you're going to be much more helpful that way. Um, and so just starting a brand new nonprofit may not be the right answer. Okay. So what we're going to do for the rest of this podcast is walk through some questions thought and and some stories because that's who we are but you may if you're telling yourself well yeah yeah i'm a grant writer i don't have anything to do with this oh my friend i bet you do <laughs> you may be called to work with a brand new nonprofit. if you're a consultant you may get a call from someone who's like i am going to start a nonprofit to help women who've had breast cancer like amanda just said and um it may be tempting to just go, yeah, no thanks. Or you may want the business or a change in your career. But asking if you have these questions in the back of your mind, maybe you can help this person think through those questions. I have an example um, later on about how I helped someone do that and probably help myself out of a client, but it was the right thing to do given her answers to those questions. Um, So not only do you need to listen and understand the needs of the community you serve, right? That should be a given. And if you're not doing that, you really ought to do that. And if you're like, oh, but the community I'm serving are dogs and cats and they have no voice. I feel you. I feel you. But maybe there's a reason all these dogs and cats are being surrendered or that there's a lack of care. So it might come back to either a community or another obstacle to caring for pets. Do you know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. dig it in, digging yeah. in around there to see. And also there may be other shelters in your area that have faced that similarly or could use your help. But if you, I, woo, I can't, and I've got a story, but if you can't, if you do not reflect the community of people 
that is involved with the thing that you're trying to do. If you don't look like them, if you don't live where they live, if you don't talk like them, if you do not have the same work or kinds of experiences, you've never broken bread, walked a mile in their shoes kind of thing. Um, you need to get on and hush and listen first. And the reason why I know that oh so well um, is through my Peace Corps experience. And I know that I have told this story on this podcast before, but it was a seminal story in my life and it bears repeating. So if you're not familiar with the Peace Corps, you apply, you get in, you, you go for two years. They send you, they're all places all over the world. The place where I got sent was a rural area. And, um, before you get there, you, you, you go in country and you do, um, like three months of technical training and, and language skills in this place. Three months is not enough time to learn a language, even a beautiful, <laughs> friendly language like Spanish, but, um, it was better than nothing. But I, you know, learned how to build latrines, a, a fine cement movable floor latrine with a little, uh, photo frame style rest for that floor. They were great. There was so much better than plumbing that doesn't work or no plumbing at all, which is where I was going. So vegetable gardens and all these different things, all these different things, rural area. So I go out there with my like really kindergarten level Mexican restaurant menu Spanish that's been refined slightly. And I go out there and I have all these things because I know what child mortality rates are in the area and I know all this and the other. And so it really was a, a one-room schoolhouse where we had our first uh, community meeting. They had um, a community council, um, similar to a lot of neighborhood organizations that exist um, here in the United States. You know, they're coming together. Um, and I'm standing there with like my, oh, yeah, well, clearly we need latrines and clearly they need, you know, I was getting into the they need, they need thing, mm -hmm. which is a mistake. And so in my broken Spanish, I'm like, well, what, because I was there as a maternal child health, community health volunteer. So not medical, but like the many other things you can do. And so that was my training. That was my bent. I was ready to rock. We're in this schoolhouse. Um, there's actually, I mean, it's kerosene la la lamps. I mean, you know. Yeah. And, and, and no, this wasn't in the 1800s. This was in the 1990s. <laughs> but I'm just saying, because you're like, well, how old are you? I'm like, that's, first of all, it's none of your business. And second of all, it wasn't that long ago. This, that, these, that's where, where it was. That's what that technology. And I was like, well, what's the single biggest thing to, um, that's getting in the way of your children's health? And I probably said it in about four words. And they, I probably didn't conjugate the verb correctly. And the answer was, we need a road. So I'm standing here in this schoolhouse, long way from home, long way from anyone um, who I grew up with, anyone who looked like me, anyone who spoke my language. And I'm standing there and I'm having an oh shit moment going, I don't know anything about a road. But in that instant, I was also like, of course y'all need a road because the roads were bad. They weren't really roads. They were they were paths that started out gravel. It was about a mile and a half to two miles to a road that would take you to a main road that would take you into town. And it, there's rainy season there, right? Yeah. So, and I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. You can't get your kid to the doctor. Hello. But so I had to dig into it and say, oh, so, oh, oh, tell me more, which I could say in Spanish and also bought me some time while I got over myself and tried to figure out, you know, yeah. what was going on. So um, to wrap up, 
we did the other projects that I had technical training to do because it turns out that there were people who were interested in them. But I also worked with them. And frankly, I just will say this, was able to use my, my you can call it white privilege, I call it my novelty whiteness in that case, to go with them and get attention from the local politicians to have someone come out and take a look at that area. And then it, it took, it was two years. It was after I left when the road was finally graded. It was a long process, but I thought, yeah, man, yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be the novelty, whatever, you know, let's just get it done. Um, but it, that was such a strong lesson to me of, I was going in going, well, y'all need this and y'all need that. And they're like, well, well, young lady, since you're asking, we need a road. Uh And they were right. So I'm just saying, I'm just, please, please, please. If you think you know the answer, but no one has ever actually shared with you um, in the community that you say you're trying to serve, don't make that mistake. Get on out there and and figure it out together. Good point. So, um, next up, we're going to talk about figuring out how to pay for your uh-huh. nonprofit beyond the startup cost. Which startup you've got to register as a nonprofit? You've uh-huh. got to create articles of incorporation. <coughs> Excuse me. You need bylaws, um, and you got to pay for some of this too. It depends yeah. from state to state. That's not why well, we're not quoting a price. Yep. So that you know, price may vary, uh, but there is a cost <laughs> involved with that. Um, and to officially be a nonprofit, you have to have a board that has to meet regularly, and so you've got to have that going on. I mean, it's just there. There's stuff going on there, um, and you know, I'm not saying any of these things take a rocket scientist to figure out, but you know. It's time and money. Blind, it's yeah, it's going to take you even longer. So, or you might hire someone to help you do it, and then that costs money money too, right? Money, 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 Um, money, 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 money. So yeah, this is not the passion-driven mission side of things. This is the down and dirty basics of how and where is the money coming from to pay for all your ongoing costs. Okay, so if what kind of work are you doing? Do you need a building do you need lights do you need office basics and supplies you know what are the basics things you need to run your organization um you again you've got boards that are meeting so they've got to have space to meet and are oh, you having you got to find your board members because if you have a nonprofit by law you have to have a board of directors uh-huh. it's not optional yeah and so you've got to keep minutes and you've got to report on these things and there's 990 filings and an annual registration to keep yourself current mm-hmm. and Okay, so all of this just to even get started. So you haven't even started helping anybody yet. You've got to figure all these stuff out before you can even get to doing the thing that you had the dream about how you were going to solve all the world's problems, right? Um, so that's that's something you have to think about. And if you're like, ah, I'm not good at that stuff, it'll be fine. Oh, oh, oh. no, no, it Actually, won't. Actually, it, it won't be fine. It won't be fine. And you don't want to be someone who is claiming to be a nonprofit and getting nonprofit status, meaning you're not paying taxes on certain things, but then your nonprofit isn't current, you know, the IRS may have some things to say about that. Okay. So let's, you want to make sure that you're keeping up with all that. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll go back to not only is it almost impossible to find grants to help pay startup costs, it's pretty non-existent there, but also moving forward, most grant funding will not pay for general operating expenses, meaning you're probably not going to find a ton of grants that are like, sure, we'll help pay your light bill. Sure, we'll pay your mortgage. Sure, we'll pay for your board meetings and the space that you need for that. Um, so these are things you're going to have to figure out how to pay for through 
whether you've got donations coming in, whether you're doing fundraising, whether you've got any fees for service, you know, and again, to do all of that, that takes accountants to track all of this stuff and volunteers to help do the work. And if you're, if you haven't started figuring it out again, a nonprofit, it's like having a business in the fact that it is a business. It is. It is a business. You don't, it's a business setup that is a business by definition of the federal government and your state government. The difference in just in tax tax ways is you don't pay taxes and people can't um, buy shares or be given shares. You don't pay dividends, but the admin set up the board of directors and the reporting and all of that is a business side of that. And so I think a lot of people, and it may or may not be, again, the right vehicle for you or that friend of yours that wants you to write grants and raise money for them so that they can run their nonprofit. Exactly. And it's also, I want us uh, also to be clear um, that we're not talking about, you know, don't do it and there's not enough money and, and, and just, you know, go back in your hole or stick your head in the sand, go back in your little cave. That's not what we're saying. It's just thinking things through. Is a nonprofit the right vehicle for the work that I see, that I see must be done in the work I'm being called to do? And we've seen, fortunately or unfortunately, because I'm not even getting into um, why we have to have all these nonprofits in the first place when there's some basic needs that are going unmet. But that's not where we're going today. There are other um, ways to just get out there and start helping people that may in time turn into a nonprofit, right? We've seen yeah. um, certainly through all the protests, the COVID uh, response and and natural disasters, um, uh, particularly around Black Lives Matter protests. That's where I have the most familiarity with this. So that's what I'm going to talk about. There've been, they've given rise to things such as mutual aid societies, Mm -hmm. not nonprofits, just helping each other out, co-ops, volunteer service. I read a story this morning um, about the, there are some um, black churches in Minneapolis where they've had an, an explosion in crime, like many cities, like Atlanta, like yeah. a lot of cities right now. And this it was fascinating to me. The the the, the you did not the 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 clergy people um, interviewed for this story, which was in the Washington Post. They are getting chairs like those little foldy chairs and they ask the police to tell them what are the most violent corners in this area because their churches are in a neighborhoods that have seen this huge spike in crime. They're going out, signing up in shifts and they're sitting in chairs on the corner to deescalate tensions. Wow. And I can't imagine doing something like that. But this is what they felt called to do. So what I'm saying is they didn't first form a nonprofit. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there, there are many, many, many systemic reasons why all this violence is happening. But I'm saying these clergy people got together and they're like, what can we do now? We're going to do this. We're going to sit at these corners and hope that our presence will help deescalate. And so this may turn into something bigger. They may, it may spread and it may grow to the point where they would need to, to, to start a nonprofit about this. But I'm just giving an example of um, a specific community need that people felt called to address 
and they are not um, saying we're going to form a nonprofit first. I hope that makes sense. And I mean, no disrespect to people who start nonprofits, but that was just something that I read this morning that was, I was like, oh, okay, you're getting out and doing that. And then we're going to see where it goes. Yeah. So just thought I would um, give that as an example. Also, um, shared spaces could be another example. If there's something, there's a program, if whether it's after school, like Amanda said, or something else, are there ways that you can share spaces with facilities to um, start it under the umbrella of um, a site that could support your work? Could that site, could that agency be your fiscal agent, meaning you they take on that role while you incubate this mm-hmm. new mission? There are lots of things you can do first before you start a nonprofit, and that's just some example that I wanted yep. to share. Very good. Um, to attract funding, another thing nonprofits must must do if they want to sustain themselves is to track outcomes. Okay, basically quantifying your work, showing what your successes are, mm-hmm. um, and again bringing this back to grant funding. Which yeah, I mean, I think it's it's and it's more than that, right? Because donors like to see well, where is my money going? How is it helping? So it's not just grant funding, but I can certainly speak to grants. Is that um, grant funders certainly require. Um, different levels of intensity when it comes to tracking some of these things. Um, And I will tell you from experience, sometimes tracking all these outcomes gets in the way of actually doing the work when you have to stop and think about, okay, wait. So I said, you know, I'm serving, I'm providing primary care to folks. So Mm -hmm. they're getting their healthcare needs met you would think that would be enough. Like I, we've served 500 people this year. We, we gave them primary care. They, they were given, they got to see a doctor. If they need testing, we gave them testing. If they needed surgery, we got them surgery, but no funders are wanting to know more than that. How many surgeries? They're wanting to know your A1C levels on the average A1C levels of the patients you treat. Yes. They're wanting to know blood pressure levels, cholesterol levels, not just, but your HDL and your, uh, all the LDL, triglycerides, EI, EIO. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that means somebody has to be collecting that information and then also packaging it up the right way. Cause right. I, I, both Kimberly and I work for a clinic who does this exact same thing and they're not electronic. Because they have all volunteer doctors, and for whatever reason, they do everything old school, right? Well, who are usually <laughs> recently retired, to yes, be fair. To be fair. Well, and, and they have... It's cheaper, right? So that's, I mean, another thing to pay for. Is, I mean, it's there's, there's lots of reasons. But anyway, so that means that if you've got one funder who's giving you money from January to December, they want that number for the year. Yeah. And you've got another funder that's funding you from July to June of the next year. So it's off by six months. And so you're having to collect a different time period of the exact same data. It's time consuming and somebody has to be able to do that. And so who's doing that? Is that somebody you're paying staff Hmm. salary time for that? The grant's probably not paying for, or are you hiring consultants like us to come in and do that? Um, And so it's just, you've really got to think about, you know, where your money's coming from. And always we've talked about this before. Grant money is never free. There no. are expectations from the funder that you have to meet. And some of it is tracking data. Um, and sometimes too, I found, you know, there've been a few times I've told clients, I don't think we can go for this grant because you can't track the level of data. Uh, you don't, that they you don't want. have the, 
You don't you have don't, the admin bench that you need no. to do what they want. And it's yeah. not a judgment. It's no. like, you're going to have to hire someone to manage this grant. How are you going to pay for them? Mm-hmm. And then you're paying for them. Meanwhile, could that money have gone for medication or yep. whatever, whatever your, 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 your service might be. Yeah. It's, yes. it's just something to it's, think about. Yes. It's uh, and great money always seems like a great way to help pay for things. And don't get us wrong. Obviously we, we're big believers in grant money is a great way to pay for things, but there is a cost involved. And as a nonprofit, do you have the bandwidth to deal with that? So again, starting a nonprofit means all of those things come up to the forefront. Yeah. And, and I also, I want to circle back to the original question. Is a nonprofit the best solution for the community you want to serve? Or is it sometimes I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm doing that dodging around kind of wiggling in place where I want to say something. Um, but in the past, I will say this, um, I can't stand cocktail parties. Um, and obviously during COVID, I haven't had to go to any and, um, I'm okay with that. Although I'm certainly not okay with the pandemic, but when I will say what I do for a living, then a lot of times I will get people saying, Oh, you help nonprofits oh well i want to run a nonprofit and that's like the red flag to me because um the original question you know the best solution for the community that you want to work with kind of thing i'm always deeply suspicious well because i'm snarky by nature y'all should, if you've listened for a while if you're new welcome i'm super snarky amanda's <laughs> the other one um but um but i would say then when someone says to me, oh, I want to run my own nonprofit one day when they hear what I do for a living, it always is raises the red flag of, hmm, because they didn't say, oh, I really want to. There's a lot of need um, in the where I grew up. There's a lot of need for um, um, healthy food. You can't get produce anywhere. I really want to change that. Or, oh, you get grants. Oh, my gosh. Well, I would, you know, there's so many um there, there's a lot of pollution around and it's affecting the quality of the air or the water or um, kids can't get music lessons. It's interesting to me when people say, oh, you raised my, oh, well, I would love to get grants. I want to run my own nonprofit. And I'm just like, I am judging you if you say that to me. I am. And oh, it's well, wrong. And I'll take it a step further. Like there have been people when I've given the whole spiel of, hey, rather than starting your own, why don't you join one that already exists? Yeah. Well, yeah. but then my name won't be on it. And oh, I'm like, oh, oh, I've oh, never heard that. I have oh, never I have heard, heard that. that. And I'm like, if the only reason you're starting a nonprofit is to have your name on it, maybe your heart's not in the right place. You I'm know what? Saying. Why don't you put a plaque up somewhere, right? Why don't you make a banner and hang it over your front door? Yeah. Wow. So that you, you did walk that out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, that's what I'm getting at too. Sometimes um, there could, I, I just, I have to question that because if you if you want to run something to do good, but you don't even know what good it is that you think you know how to you know what to do, that's even a step further. And I would say no to the nonprofit um, idea for you if you're asking me, um, because if you do, if I do have to make small talk and you do bring that up, chances are when we get back together, my social filter has slipped so much now I might walk down that road with you. I might. <laughs> I might. Um, On a much lighter note, very quickly, um, I, through a friend, I agreed to talk to a woman who um, was interested in starting a nonprofit. She did not want her name on it. 
There was a de- there was a demonstrated need. Mm-hmm. Um, there definitely demonstrate like statistically proven need. It was about increasing access to mental health services um, for young people. I mean, of 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 um, lower income families from families with lower income. Clearly, a demonstrated need that's gotten worse during the pandemic, right? So I started talking to her and sort of walking her through some of those questions. We already knew the need was there, but it was like, you know, do you have this? Do you have that? A uh, uh, nonprofit needs these kinds of things: the boards, the 990 reporting, the registration, the articles of incorporation, all yeah. of these things. But you want, but her real business model, if you will, was to have an app that provided certain things. And so my conversation to her was, why, why do you think, you know, nonprofits do a lot of good. I hear what you're saying. We need to increase this um, access. Why do you think the nonprofit is a best solution? And she said, well, someone told me, you know, it, it would be better because I'm, I, I want to help people. And I was like, you know, there, so we had, I'm not going to, it was, it was an hour conversation, but it was in the end, I was like, I'm actually, I'm hoping that I talked her out of it because I'm like, could you not get backing for that app? Since I've since also, if I, my conversation and my work with her ended at that hour, Mm -hmm. but I've since heard commercials and different things about um, apps for mental health. Now, it may be that they only accept insurance. It may be that they don't offer anything for free or sliding scale. Yeah. And obviously you have to have a smartphone, which is sort of the, can be a, a barrier and stable Wi-Fi, which is also another barrier. But I was just, so I was just talking her around, uh, talking with her around this idea. And I was like, you could set it up as a nonprofit or you could get backing to build this and then have some people pay for it like the, you know, $5 or $10 a month and other, and then set it up like, um, like, um, a sliding scale based on sliding scale. Thank yeah. you, Amanda. And also there are companies, um, that say they do this. And I say this without launching an investigation to whether or not they actually do it, but they're like, Hey, you buy a pair of shoes from us. We'll give away a pair of shoes. Yeah. Hey, you buy a pair of glasses from us. We give away. Uh-huh. Hey, you, um, they, I do know one group. I get my passion planners that, because when my world works right, when I do double entry, handwriting my calendar and putting it online, Amanda knows what happens when I don't do that. <laughs> um, but they give away, they have a program where they're giving away planners to people. And so that's one of the reasons why I buy my planner from them. And I was like, you know, you could do that. Have yeah. the people who are able to pay support the people who don't. Or maybe they are people who can pay $2 a month, but not 20 but you're still getting something. Yep. I thought that was a great example of someone who was like, well, well, if I want to do this, I got to have a nonprofit. I'm like, "Mm, maybe not. And then you don't have to get into all the, well, I need to write grants for this and I need to do that because there, that could be a way, Mm -hmm. but there could be another way to to build that up and and get that going. Yeah. That's very true. So So I just would say, I just would want people to think it through, think it through. She was following her passion and she still is, but maybe she's found options to put that into action in ways that she just didn't know before because it's automatically, well, if I want to help someone, I have to start a nonprofit. Well, maybe not. Yeah. Very true. Well, ultimately, again, the whole point of this episode is not saying don't you ever start a nonprofit. It's 
think it through before you just run out and do it and see if there is a better option, whether it's partnering with another nonprofit that already exists or creating a mm-hmm. business instead of a nonprofit, or maybe not doing it at all because there is no need after you talk to the community you thought you were there to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's a different need or there's a different need that you true. didn't even understand. Exactly. So, um, and again, we've, we've hinted at this, but just remember that within your, if you do start a nonprofit, you have to recruit and orient a fantastic board. You have to set up an office and accounting systems. You have to get any permits you might need. Um, you would need a fundraising plan and you need, would need to start implementing that. And you've got to have policies and procedures to make sure everything is legal and ethical. Um, and so if you're convinced that this is the way to go, we've got a few free resources that are reliable and online for you to check out. Um, the first is the website candid.org. Um, you may have heard this in the past referred to as the Foundation Center, but now the company is Candid. Um, so check out their resource, their website. They have lots of great webinars and articles and information about all things nonprofit. Um, there's also the National Council on Nonprofits. Um, so they have a website as well. It's U.S. based. Lots of great information there. Um, Kimberly mentioned some of the information we got from the uh, group Independent Sector. Um, and I would say that that is a tremendous wealth of information. I, um, even though I don't have time to read them all the time, but I sign up for independent sectors, um, e-newsletters and e any, I get all their emails because they're, they're, they always do some great and wonderful stuff. Um, then I would also say, because things do differ from state to state, each state has its own organization, yep. which is like a council of nonprofits here in Georgia. It is called the Georgia center for nonprofits, but every state, state mm-hmm. has one, whether it's your state's name, Center for Nonprofits or Council of Nonprofits. Um, but you might want to go and find them because chances are they probably also have classes and resources and some things that are maybe paid, but other things that may be free services. So check out all those places just to make sure you start heading in the right direction. I, I will say I was checking out Candid and the other websites, you know, just to make sure, because we don't want to give you something. It's like, go check this out. And it's like, they've gone to the dark side or whatever. Yeah. So um, I obviously, obviously that is not what happened. But again, I was going on their website, looking at their information for the, so you do you want to start a nonprofit? Here's the things you need to know. And I just like this quote from them. They said, starting a nonprofit may be the most complicated way to act on your passion to serve your community. And I just thought, Okay, way to write that out. They didn't say don't act on it, but it may be the most complicated way to act on your passion to serve your community. And again, I would never say, this is me talking now, not candid. I would never say give up because nothing you do makes a difference. That's actually the furthest from my truth. And I just want you to understand that. We just want you to have information about the pros and cons of one way to fulfill your passion to serve your community. Um, I mean, there, there's so many ways from volunteering to collaborating to consulting, to just simply reaching out and being nice to people that you might need help or just being nice to people in general. There's so many ways to make a positive difference. True. One way Kimberly and I try to make a positive difference is through this podcast, giving you our take based on our experience, our expertise, and that of our wonderful and informative guests. And uh, we hope that's helpful for you. Um, speaking of helpful things, one little plug I want to put in before we wrap up today, which has nothing to do with the topic we've talked about, but you guys may remember at the beginning of episode three, Kimberly and I did an episode talking about Elizabeth Holmes and her company Theranos. 
Um, this was that big Silicon Valley company oh, that just started yeah. about the trick of blood and the testing, and it was going to be great and wonderful. And turns out they were lying to investors and all kinds of things went on. Um, and we did some comparisons to how lessons learned, kind of a case study. Um, if you are as fascinated by that as I am, I will just let you know that the trial is about to be happening finally for this case. Um, and there is, if you are a podcast lover, there is a podcast out now called Bad Blood, the final chapter. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Um, that is all about the trial um, and what's going on um, with Elizabeth and her CEO, Sonny Balwani. And all, if, you, if you're like me, I've already listened to two of the four episodes that are now out. So give it a listen. We like to support the podcasting community. That we do. So thank you for listening. Uh, as always, we wouldn't do it without you because we couldn't do it without you. Um, if you'd like to spread a little positivity to us, that would be great. You could leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts. Um, that is the most frequently used platform that people use to access our podcast. And leaving a positive review helps those mysterious algorithmic <laughs> nebulous streams of ether run their course and helps more people find us. So we would sure appreciate it. Um, we are honored you chose to spend time with us for this episode. And we'd love for this podcast to be a part of your professional development lineup. Thank you again to our season four sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. Thanks again for joining us today. We appreciate your time and your support. Join us again in two weeks for our next show where we are talking about learning to be a leader in the nonprofit field. Bye for now. Bye.